My nine-year-old sister came running into my bedroom after school one day. As a 13-year-old who was pretty much an adult, I didn't appreciate my privacy being violated like that. But when I saw her tear-stained face, my protective instincts turned from at her to for her. She had her first taste of betrayal at school that day. The details are blurry now, but a friend of hers that she trusted and confided in turned around and spilled directly to the talked-about friend. As the sage older sister, I listened and patted her back, asking the right questions to better understand what she was going through. And what was my advice to her after hearing her tale of backstabbery? You know, you were born into this world alone, and you'll leave this world alone. You can't trust anyone in the world but yourself. Not me, not mom, not dad. Oh my god. <laughs> it did not go over well. She just left my room crying. I'm not sure where the sentiment came from. I do know that I just got in my first Avril CD and felt complicated. But I can't say that I have the same idea of the world anymore. Sorry, Sam. Welcome to Self-Help Junkie, the podcast where we explore the world of personal development through the eyes of book enthusiasts. I'm your host, Eric Ng, a communication coach and your resident bookworm. This season, we'll be focused on developing our romantic skills, but before we dive into the conversation with our guest, let's get a one-minute summary of the book. The Gift, 14 Lessons to Save Your Life is a memoir and self-help book written by Dr. Edith Eager, a Holocaust survivor and renowned psychologist. In this book, Eager shares her personal journey of survival, healing, and personal growth. While she imparts 14 profound life lessons, I won't be able to cover them all, so I've selected two. The first lesson is the power of choice. Learned helplessness causes us to believe that we have no power over our lives and can't improve our outcomes, thereby causing us the most suffering. Learned optimism allows us to flourish with strength resiliency, and the ability to create meaning and direction in our lives. Another lesson involves freeing yourself from secrets. To quote Eager, if you sit with one butt in two chairs, you become half-assed. The idea that you need to start with honesty and checking in with yourself both physically and emotionally isn't new. The conscious community has built an entire lifestyle around it, but it can be intimidating from the outside. Edith poses the simple question, do I feel soft and warm or cold and stiff? This question allows you to become more aware. Whether you're going through addiction, an identity crisis, or are committing acts that you're ashamed to share with others, the chapter on freeing yourself from secrets is a potent one. And with that, let's dive in. Today, we are joined by Vanessa Cardenas, a transformational leader with over 20 years of experience in leadership, mentoring, coaching, public speaking, and education. Vanessa believes that self-love and self-trust can be rekindled even in the aftermath of betrayal. Her core mission is to empower individuals worldwide who've experienced betrayal in various forms, whether in intimate relationships, self-sabotage, or business. It's not just about recovery. It's about thriving beyond betrayal. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We're going to have such a great conversation. Your audience is just going to get so much. We're going to try to pack it all in so that they get the best possible information regarding this very personal and right. difficult com difficult topic. It's been a topic where I have been searching for people to talk about because it is taboo. And I wanted to open up with, because you are working with people who have encountered betrayal, um, how has that shifted your view on humanity and our society? Mm. Challenging, very, mm -hmm. very challenging. Um, mm -hmm. As your introduction of me, oh, so beautifully put, I do believe that self-love and self-trust 
can be rekindled in the face of betrayal. Mm-hmm. I'm the perfect example of that. And I believe that there's beauty on the other side of betrayal. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't wish betrayal on anyone. Mm-hmm. It is the most gut-wrenching situation experience that you can go through besides actually losing your partner to mm-hmm. death. With betrayal, you still have your partner. Your partner's still alive. Right. You're still faced with them. And you have to go through the aftermath of betrayal, whether you decide to stay and try to rework things or you leave and start a new relationship with someone else. You're still rekindling. It just depends on who that is with. Mm-hmm. But we kind of need to take a step back if we could. Do you mind? Of course. Let's talk about what what is love? What is love? My definition of love is giving someone the power to completely destroy you mm. in hopes that they never do. Right. That's my definition of love. Betrayal is mm. shattering that trust, that giving them using that power to completely destroy you. So those are my definitions. So I want to make sure that everybody is comfortable with that and understands it. Now, betrayal comes in so many different forms. And for those of us that have been married for decades before the internet, yes, dare I say, everyone, (laughs) there was a time before the internet. So, for example, in my vows, it didn't say anything about no cyber cheating, you know, right. no porn, porn hub or only fans or anything of that right. nature, because we didn't have that. So when my husband fired back, I didn't, I didn't break our vows. <laughs> In a sense, he was right. Right. He was right. He, because that vow wasn't in there. So, you know, a little bit of humor on a very dark topic, but right. yes. So I wanted to make sure that we kind of go back a little bit to understand what my definition of love is and what betrayal actually is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what you're saying there is that with modern times comes modern problems. And you were opening up a little bit about the uh, betrayal that your husband I don't know what the word is, committed against you. Was it OnlyFans, the Pornhub? Addiction it was a combination porn? of everything, but how it started, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting to say it that way. Um, I was addicted to certainty. Mm. I was addicted to the certainty that if I did X, I would get Y, and if I did Y, I would get Z. And I'd go to a good school, and I'd get a degree, and I'd right. get a good job, and I'd climb up the corporate ladder, and I'd have two kids, and the white picket fence, and the house, and the cars, and the money in the bank that I would be inoculated Mm. from anything bad happening. Right. I thought I had the epic love story. I just did. Right. There was no reason for me not to until one day my husband and I are walking through Central Park and he tells me to have a seat, you know, sit down on the bench. And I'm people watching. I'm I'm so into what's going on around me. And he says, Vanessa, I need to tell you something. And I turn to look at him and he says, I've met someone. And just like Thanos snapped his fingers in the Avengers and everybody turned to dust, that's what I felt like. I felt as if I completely shattered. And I fell, I descended into darkness, just uh, 
I, I couldn't breathe. I, I immediately had a panic attack. Right. I, I just, I felt this wave come over me. And in hindsight, because hindsight's always twenty twenty, that was his cry for help. That mm-hmm. was his cry for, I need you to pay attention to me. I need you to pay attention to our relationship. And as we went through counseling and coaches and therapists, the other aspects of that came out. Mm-hmm. The cyber, the the flirting online, the situations like that, the emotional affair, you know, having a work colleague who happens to be a female and starting mm-hmm. to share things that... You, you don't necessarily share with another woman, but, right. you know, because it's under the guise of, well, it's my work buddy, you right. know, I, and my work wife, you know, that became something that came into society of work right. wife. Yeah, I can understand that to a degree, but there's still a wall that needs to be there, a wall of respect, a wall of let's not share too much in- intimate stuff. Let's let's keep right. it still professional. Right. So with that being said, I'm going to circle back to your first question because mm-hmm. it was it was a wonderful question about humanity. <laughs> right. And um I think it's more front and center now. Mm-hmm. I think betrayal was very hidden mm. previously. I think now with with social media. I mean, you look at some of the websites that come through, right. you know, are we dating the same man? Mm. You know, before we lived in communities where we knew everybody, the communities were small. Everybody knew each other. Everybody right. was going to church or wherever their religious um, settings were. Everybody knew each other. Mm-hmm. And and it was very taboo to be caught in a situation like that. Right. So there were safeguards. There were guardrails in place. Now, because of the internet, it opens a whole world. You don't even have to have physical contact with somebody to be classified as betrayal. Mm. Because, again, you're taking the trust that your partner has put in your hands and destroyed it. Right. Yeah. And as you were talking there, the idea that it's on the internet, there seems to be a lack of accountability that comes along with that, right? Because if you're in the church community, you know that everyone's going to know and that's going to embarrass your partner. But if it's on the internet, no one has to know. Maybe you're like on a business trip or like you're traveling, like it's outside of your circle. So it feels easier to slip into because there is that lack of accountability there. Yeah. Very well said. Yes, that's exactly it. On the internet, you can be anybody. Mm-hmm. There is so much catfishing going on. <laughs> Again, a new term that we didn't have 20 years ago, you know, or we didn't use it the way we use it now. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, somebody can post a picture that doesn't even belong to them and they can take on that persona. They can be anybody they want to be. Mm-hmm. So if their if their own self-esteem is really shattered, themselves. And I'm talking male, female. So I'm talking Mm -hmm. from a male's point of view, his confidence is shot. Mm -hmm. He doesn't feel like his wife is caretaking his confidence. Mm -hmm. He wants to become someone else. Mm -hmm. He wants to be that rugged man in the commercials, online, in the movies. He can take on that persona Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And then he can meet a woman, and I say, quote, woman, uh, you know, online and start chatting it up with her. And he, he and she get so wrapped up in this fantasy world that they don't recognize what they're doing to the real world right. that's around them. Right, right. And that really reminds me of uh, a section of the gift where they were talking about like, it's so enticing in the beginning because you have no responsibilities. It's all just fantasy. You see all the positives, but it's not until reality sets in that you get the full picture. Um, and going back to your personal experience. So you're in Central Park, you're on that bench, your husband brings that information to you. What are you going through internally? You've been talking a lot about self-love and self-trust there. Um, yeah. What was going on inside? Oh, it, 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 it was such a whirlwind of emotions. Mm. The first emotion that came up was WTF. Mm. Like, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, you'd never, you'd right. never, right. you know, I, I was in such denial, but he was telling me, it wasn't as if a girlfriend was telling me or somebody mm. else was telling me, he was telling me. And I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I, I get, became so angry and then, so sad. And that's what happens is you go through emotions so quickly. They flood in to the point where you can't even function mm -hmm. and you become a zombie. Mm -hmm. You become on autopilot. I was on autopilot for weeks. I just, I descended into darkness and just couldn't understand why I felt the way I did. Mm -hmm. And I had a, I had a d degree in psychology I should know. And <laughs> and the fact that I didn't see it. Right. I didn't see it. And I really started to attack myself. Right. My self-esteem. I paid attention to how I looked in the mirror, my hands. I, I, I felt so much older than I was. And I just descended into it. It wasn't until there was a, an exact moment. And I, I so remember it like it was yesterday. I was laying on my bedroom floor, mm -hmm. ugly crying, like sobs, like just snot dripping down my face. I mean, I was, I was in so much pain mm -hmm. and I begged and pleaded with God's source universe, please, I need a reprieve mm -hmm. from this. I need to be able to function. Please, can I have a reprieve? And I fell asleep and sleep during betrayal is almost non-existent. Right. Um, and I woke up and I felt a little better. And what I forgot to mention in this is that I asked for a reprieve and I made a promise. Mm -hmm. I made a promise that if I could feel just even a little bit better, that I promised that I would help someone else not feel the way that I was feeling. Because I knew from my studying days, from being in school, that my way of learning things is not passive. I don't passively learn something. I learn with the intention of sharing it with someone else because mm -hmm. then I use a different part of my brain. Right. With that being said, I knew that if I made this promise, that I promise that I would help someone else that I would take in the information, not just for myself, but for someone else. So I woke up the next day, I was feeling better. Then the next day I was feeling better than that. And then the third day I was feeling better than that. 
Then I got the shove. Then I got the shove from, from God's source universe. You made a promise. And mm-hmm. that's when I dove deep into recovery. Mm-hmm. Like what exactly is going on? How can I focus on me? Mm-hmm. Yes, he already indicated what he had done, but it was affecting me in such right. a profound way that I needed to focus on me. Mm-hmm. And what is, I mean, what did you find out as you dove into recovery and into helping others? Uh, what was going on and how do you recover from such a profound betrayal? The most profound thing that I discovered was though something terrible had happened to me, mm-hmm. I was betrayed mm-hmm. by the my beloved, who I loved and trusted more than life itself, who I would have taken a bullet for, uh, who I would have given a kidney to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about me. It truly was not about me. And that was a very hard lesson for me to learn because I took it in so internally. I took it so personally. And what I needed to do was carry around a Q-tip, a Q-tip with me. Quit taking it personally because it wasn't about me. And when I had that turning point, when I finally understood that, everything shifted for me. Mm-hmm. It, it compl- I did a 180 and I completely, it clicked. And that's that was the turning point for me. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Now I could handle triggers because triggers are wicked when you've gone through betrayal. Mm-hmm. I could handle, you know, the sleeplessness. I could finally get some sleep. Right. Um, I could handle what I had been doing to my own body because when you go through betrayal, this, this becomes your enemy (coughs) because you feel that there's a sense of there's something wrong with me. I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not sexy enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And you, you feel that all so intently and you start to resent yourself and you, you take it all in and your body becomes the coffin for all of these emotions that you have related to you. And once you get your your mind and your heart to sync up, then you can look at everything around you with more clarity. And that's what you need. You need clarity before you can make the decision whether to stay or to go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the reaction that you have immediately is not always necessarily the right one. And I say right in quotes very cautiously because you might come to that realization a couple of weeks later when you have Mm -hmm. the clarity, but you want to have the clarity because if you don't have the clarity and you leave, then doubt moves in. And if you immediately, you know what, we're going to fix this and that's your immediate reaction, then a couple of weeks later that doubt creeps in yet again. Mm-hmm. You know, are you sure you wanted to stay? Blah, 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 this and that. And and what I try to work on and what I worked on for myself was making that decision with clarity mm-hmm. and then living in that decision. Because that's really important too. Because when you start swinging back and forth, I'm going to stay. No, I'm going to go. No, I'm going to stay. No, I'm going to go. 
you're you're deregulating your own body. Never mind what you're doing within your relationship, because mm-hmm. you're you you still have a partner to to quote deal with. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling him yes, we're gonna we're gonna work on this, and he starts the process of working, and right. then you flip around and say, oh no, I'm gonna leave. It, it, he's bouncing around like a ping pong ball as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not defending him. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm right. not defending him. But again, in in the realm of betrayal recovery, you want to be joint. You mm-hmm. want to both work on recovery or you want to both kind of work on separation because you want it to be as amicable as it can be, mm-hmm. especially if you have children. Mm. It was interesting listening to you talk about the recovery process, because initially you had said, um, you loved stability. You loved the idea of like, if I do X, then I get Y and going through that. And it's really taking apart a core belief, right? That you have control of the life around you that you can, can make yourself safe and to be like, nope, I can't. It's not me here. This is outside of me. I can't, I guess going through the betrayal on top of having to like rewrite your core beliefs seems like a lot to take on. Um, I feel like people could understand that logically, but then taking that in and truly living that. Yeah. What was that process like for you? Like, how did you get to that point? It's definitely very challenging. You can't do it alone. Hmm. You really cannot. I know that you want to be strong and you want to be firm and you want to, uh, you know, you want to own what's going on Mm -hmm. and you want to take control of what's going on. And it's really challenging to do it by yourself. It truly, truly is. And when you discover betrayal, Mm -hmm. whether it's told to you or you discover it on your own, there are three things you need to do first. And, and I, I share this right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. The first thing I refer to is toothpaste. Toothpaste. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's how you're going to always remember it. Toothpaste. Because once you let the toothpaste out of the tube, really hard to get it back. So you mm. need to be careful who you share right. with the betrayal. Because yes, when you find out, you want to scream it from the mountaintops. You want to let everybody know or you want to do the complete opposite. You want to turtle in and not share it with anybody. I don't see it. It doesn't exist type of thing. You need to be careful with who you entrust with mm-hmm. this information because this is this is a doozy. It's a big one. It, it's, it's a bomb that's gone off right. in your relationship. It's a bomb that's gone off in your body. You want to share it with someone who will help you and support you but not judge you mm-hmm. because you don't want a situation where they're judging and they're they're influencing your decision, your mm-hmm. clarity. You want your own clarity. Your relationship is unique. Mm-hmm. Your betrayal recovery is as unique as your fingerprint. Everybody is completely different. So you want toothpaste. Just be careful who you share it with. Do share it because you do need to talk to someone. The second thing is for ladies, it's a GYN appointment. Mm. And I know that's really, really hard. 
to walk into your gynecologist office and say, I need STD screening. Okay. It's a reality. You're going to need to do it. It's for your peace of mind because he could be telling you, I have not had anything physical and you completely normal will doubt it. Hmm. You just will. It's natural. It's absolutely natural that you will feel that way. For your own peace of mind, get STD screening. Mm -hmm. I can tell you this, gynecologists are used to it because their most difficult conversation, there's three really difficult conversations that GYNs have with their patients. And one of them is to explain to their patient that they have an STD. Mm. And immediately their first reaction is, that's not my chart. Then their right. second reaction is offensive. Like, I'm not cheating. What are you talking about? How could I have an STD? And then mm. it hits them. It, what are you telling me? You know, right. well, if you haven't been unfaithful, then your partner has. So right. suddenly it's your gynecologist has, has now shared with you that you've been betrayed. So point number two, tip number two, when you suspect betrayal, make an appointment with your gynecologist just for your own peace of mind. Mm -hmm. The third thing that you want to do is you want to start documenting everything. Mm. Everything you want to document it down because you will develop betrayal amnesia. Oh. You will not remember key points. Your brain, when you experience betrayal, will become Swiss cheese. It just will. You will forget things. You are a zombie. You are an autopilot. You think this, you think that. You're all over the place. But when it comes to the betrayal, you want to write everything down because that will help you with your clarity mm. later on. So write it down. Write it down. Pen to paper. Don't depend on this. Don't depend on your memory because right. you will not remember and you'll remember it choppy. You'll, you won't remember specifics. You'll think it was Tuesday and it was Friday. And if you argue and say, well, mm. you didn't come home on Tuesday, he can argue, yes, I did come home on Tuesday. Then you don't remember whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Or it becomes very convoluted. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. Just write it down. Just write it down. So those are the three things related to just as betrayal happens. Then you want to depending on how you absorb information, mm -hmm. you want to either get yourself a therapist who will help dive into the past and see what patterns were in the past that might've led up to this. Yeah. Uh, simultaneously, you can get a coach. A coach will definitely be somebody who takes the moment right then. Maybe it touches on the past, but not really, but definitely forward thinking. What mm. are you gonna do in the future? I recommend that you get somebody who's been involved in betrayal because learning it from a textbook is one right. thing, but experiencing it is completely different. You want to join a support group. There are many. Mm -hmm. A word of caution. Facebook is littered with betrayal <laughs> yeah. groups. Okay. Find the group that resonates with you. Okay. People have very different opinions. Some people are of the mindset, once a cheater, always a cheater. You have other groups that are religious-based. You have other groups that are um, a younger generation. You have other groups that are an older generation. You want to find 
your tribe. Mm -hmm. You want to find your people, ideally a smaller group, Mm -hmm. because a large group has lots of opinions. And when you're going through betrayal, it's very validating to hear that people agree with you. But in all, they're all strangers. Right. You want to develop a small group of those that get to know you, that actually see you, mm-hmm. they hear you, they understand, they keep track of your progress as you're going through betrayal. So right. there are support groups if you don't want to do the one-on-one, coaches, of course, therapists, of course, but you absolutely want to have a team around mm-hmm. you to give you that support. And one of the best things that my coach did for me and that I in turn do for my clients is as we move through the betrayal recovery, we get to a point where the agreement is you do not cry alone. Mm. If you feel those tears coming on, you pick up the phone, you text somebody, you call somebody, you join, you you know, enter into a Zoom room, whatever it is, but you do not cry alone. And for me, that was that was so beneficial mm-hmm. because it either forced me to not descend into the darkness mm-hmm. all over again because I knew that I would have to call somebody before the tears started coming down. So it gave me strength. Mm. You know what? I'm not going to cry now. I'm going to use the techniques to try to work through this trigger. And Mm -hmm. if I do it, great. And if I don't, in an hour, I will give that person a call so that I can cry it out. Because you do want to get the emotions out. I'm not advocating that you stifle them, but you get to a point where you make that commitment to yourself and with an accountability buddy. Listen, if I need to cry, I need to call you. Is that Mm going to be okay? Mm -hmm. And you go from there. Right. I can imagine because it can be very easy to fall into just a grief spiral where it kind of feels good to be sad. Um, having someone else there to pull you out so that you're, you don't go too deep is incredibly helpful. Going through all of this, what was the decision that you made uh, with your partner? I'm still married. Hmm. We stayed. We stayed together. We worked. It was a lot of hard work. It was definitely a lot of hard work on my husband's side for the relationship because hmm. he, he really worked very hard on the relationship hmm. besides working on himself. I, on the other hand, spent more time working on myself mm-hmm. just because of my reaction to everything and how I descended into the darkness and just stayed there for weeks. I, I couldn't get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. And I felt this overwhelming sensation of WTF, mm-hmm. just WTF, WTF. And again, we go back to how I started. I was addicted to the certainty. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand why this had happened to me and why was a really big question. So... I spent a lot of time working on me. And that's why I say now that I'm I'm better for the experience. Mm. I'm actually better for the experience. I'm a completely different person than I was before the betrayal. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about responses to trauma. My hair 
is a response to trauma. For for your listeners, Mm -hmm. I used to have salt and pepper hair halfway down my back with bangs. Mm -hmm. And that was my hairstyle for decades. Now, when my husband told me that, you know, he met somebody, I cut my hair to my shoulders. I physically took my hair, grabbed it with a pair of scissors and cut it. Why? Because he always commented how much he loved my Mm. long hair. Well, I'm in control. I cut my hair to my shoulders. Very drastic. Then, you know, when when more started to come out, the OnlyFans and the porn, I shaved off one side of my hair. Mm. Then another trauma, shaved off the other side. Then I dyed it all brown. And then I walked in and said, you know what? Let's put some color in it. So Mm. every incarnation of my hair was a trauma. The good news is... I haven't changed my hair in quite a while. <laughs> Why? Because there's no more trauma. Right. There's no more trauma. I've healed. And I love who I am now. I I love my reflection in the mirror. And there were so many dark days when I just wanted to shatter every single mirror in my house mm-hmm. because I just I couldn't I couldn't understand why this was happening. And there is beauty on the other side of betrayal. You transform into the most amazing version of yourself because it's really the recovery is about you. Mm. The betrayal is not about you, Mm -hmm. but the recovery is about finding yourself, loving yourself and trusting yourself. And once you do that, the sky is the limit Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Right. And I have so many questions. <laughs> I feel like being intrusive. Uh, but what made you decide to stay? I, I know that you were saying that there were a lot of steps that went into it. Um, but ultimately, like, what, how did you make that choice? For me, and again, every, every single relationship is completely different. Mm-hmm. For me, I love my husband. Mm-hmm. I, I I do love him. I've known him since I was 12. And I, I love him. And he's a good man. He is a good man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say he made a mistake because mistake is mistake is not the right word. Right. It was it was a poor judgment to get my attention. Mm. And he recognizes that. And he did a lot of hard work. It was really him the first six months kind of holding me Mm -hmm. while I descended into this darkness Mm -hmm. and realized he very quickly realized like what he had done was monumental. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a, Oh, okay, let, let's, you know, let's talk about this and, 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 you know, just kind of work it through as we worked through all the other challenges that our marriage had since mm-hmm. such as infertility, mm-hmm. you know, a death, sudden death of, of family members, long deaths of family members, lots of various traumas, but we always jointly did those together. Mm-hmm. And I think that in his mind, he felt that we would, we would resolve our marriage together. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so broken that that I was just I was slipping out of his fingers because mm-hmm. I was just in I was a mess and he didn't anticipate that mm-hmm. but I saw how much work he did and how 
He took ownership and responsibility. He was the one that told our children. He -hmm. was the one that, you know, came clean and was very transparent with me and immediately said, let's, let's do therapy, you know, Mm -hmm. and we immediately started that and encouraged me in every single way to get whatever help I needed, whatever I thought could help me. He was all for, Mm -hmm. and he stood by my side, even though he caused this, Mm -hmm. He was there standing by my side, and I recognized that, and I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning, I was the pendulum. I was going back and forth. No, I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm staying. No, I'm going. I mean, he, he, and he bounced back and forth with me just as, as I went through that, always saying, I'm right here. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere un- until you have the clarity that you need. Because, again, our marriage counselor said that. Once you have the clarity then you can make that decision. Right mm-hmm. now, you don't have that clarity. So saying yes, saying no, saying yes, no, you're just driving yourself crazy. Right. Don't make the decision now. You don't have right. to make the decision now. And that was liberating. He told the kids, and he, I'm guessing more of your circle knew about it. What was their reaction when they learned you were staying? Were you met with support, or was it kind of a mixed bag? Well, it's interesting because it was only our children that we told. Mm-hmm. We didn't we didn't extend it out mm-hmm. at all until mm-hmm. I started doing this professionally. Right. And when I wrote my book, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was a very big deal because a lot of our family came up that we had no idea because right. we've always been the benchmark for everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, we had been married 25 years. We had been married longer than anyone else in the family. Each of us, our parents remarried, so they weren't married as long as we were. Mm -hmm. And they were really shocked that we were able to keep it very quiet. Right. And they have been supportive. Um, They're more more taking it personally that we didn't bring them into our inner circle. Mm. That's... That's their concern. They're taking it very selfishly, if I may say so. You know, that they were just like, wait a second, you didn't tell her. Why didn't you share it with us? Suddenly they they're internalizing what's wrong with us. Right. Why wouldn't you tell us this and that? But again, toothpaste. Mm. I didn't need everybody's judgment. Right. I didn't want everybody else's judgment. I preferred talking to a therapist, talking to my coach, talking to my inner circle who started out as strangers, Mm. but had similar experiences and could understand how I was feeling and could tell me, yes, that's a trigger. What you're experiencing, yes, that's a trigger. Yes, you're not going to sleep. It's okay. And it's okay not to be okay. And I needed to hear that from people Mm -hmm. who understood because a lot of times people around us say the wrong thing. They mean well. They absolutely mean well. They think that, you know, by you saying, oh, I can't believe he did that. You know, I I want I want to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. Do X, Y, and Z. No, I don't want to hear that from you. I, I but I don't want you to talk me out of it either. I just I just want you to sit and hold right. space for me. That's it. Right. But people struggle with that. Yeah. And then also I didn't want a situation where I told someone and they were repelled by it, mm. meaning they suddenly disappeared. Like they didn't want that stuck on them. Like, mm. oh, you know, Vanessa and her husband are going through, you know, cheating and betrayal. We're not going to talk to them because right. I don't want you to get any ideas. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, exactly. So right. you don't know how other people are going to react. 
And again, I didn't want the judgment. So we kept it close to the chest. Mm -hmm. Uh, In turn, when I wrote my second book, which was how to talk to -hmm. your kids, your parents, your in-laws, I wrote it far removed of how I would have spoken Mm. and suggestions that my clients made and and those in my support group of what worked for them and what like fell flat. Right. Right. That's, that's really interesting. The, the point where you were saying meeting a bunch of strangers and sharing it with them, because I can definitely see the benefits of that, of, they know what you're going through. They can hold space for you. Your family probably just wants to defend you and protect you. And that's not what you need all the time. Yes. Yeah. They either want to defend or uh, defend you, or they ask you, what did you do wrong? What Ugh. did you do? And it's like, wait a second. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you know, back off, you know? So yeah, it, it, it brings up interesting things. Yeah. It, it definitely does. But betrayal is unique. The trail is unique. The recovery is unique and you're unique as you Mm -hmm. go through the experience. But I can tell you this of all the clients I've worked with, and I'm a moderator in one of the larger Facebook groups as well. And I can Mm -hmm. tell you that when women and men, because I do work with men, get through to the other side, Mm -hmm. there's beauty in it. They've become just amazing Mm-hmm. amazing in who they are and how they live and they live each day in gratitude and love and it's it's so spectacular to see because most people don't walk through life like that mm-hmm. that's beautiful i think that's a beautiful note to end on um mm-hmm. thank you so much for your time today and sharing all this wisdom um if people are looking for you where can they find you where can they find me? Well, <laughs> definitely on my website, and mm-hmm. it's uh, Van- Vanessa-Cardenas.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can definitely find me there. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm trusted underscore advisor underscore four underscore betrayal. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a long one. But, uh, <laughs> I'll make sure to link fitting. it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Linktree which is a great resource because it allows you to have everything on it, everything I've done, because I do a lot of podcasts. I do speaking Mm -hmm. engagements. Um, My book, of course, is on there, my course and everything else, and all the free resources that I have are available on there. Everything that you're involved with. (laughs) Absolutely. And there's always a way to get in touch with me. And I do have a support group Mm -hmm. as well, a, a small support group on the Meetup platform. And uh, it's monthly, but I am going to go to weekly because mm. it's getting a little large. Right. And again, as I mentioned, you want to have a small circle. You want to have a small circle of those that you see week to week or mm. every other week. Just a familiar face that says, I've got you. Right. Offers you a bit of stability. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure, Erica. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening on this episode. If you have the same curiosity I do, you still have a bunch of questions on the topic. I have three other episodes on the topic of betrayal to try and better understand how you recover as a couple, individually, and what gets people into the headspace to hurt someone they love in the first place. Make sure to follow the pod for more stories from people who've been through a world of hurt and have come up the other side changed but stronger. I'll see you guys next week.